Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that got so jacked up on Coke Zero during the Auburn meet that uh, physically typing out the SI recap article was a bit difficult. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. We had a lot of action this past week, so we're going to get right into our meet recaps. Now, first up, on Thursday, we had South Dakota State at UT Martin. Going into this one, I thought it would be about 13-7 to 7 UT Martin. The Skyhawks pretty much dominated all day long. They owned fences 4-1, to one, flat 3-2, to two, horsemanship 4-1, to one, and reigning 4-1. to one. The final score ended up being 15-5. to five. It was a great day for UT Martin as they continued to build their case as a front runner in the ECAC conference, um, possibly even a dark, a dark horse to get to Ocala. For South Dakota State, tough road loss, but those happen. This team is improving, but going on the road to beat a pretty good UT Martin team is probably asking too much of the Jackrabbits right now. So on we go to Friday. Auburn at UT Martin. Now I thought this one was going to be about 13-7 to 7 for Auburn if UT Martin was riding really well, and uh, maybe I was a little conservative about the Skyhawks. This meet started off as expected with Auburn going 4-1 and one in fences, but horsemanship went 3-2 for UT Martin. So the score was only 6-4 to four Auburn at the half. Second half had more of the same. UT Martin won flat 3-2, and reigning went right down to the wire, with Auburn winning it 3-2. So this one was pretty close. Uh, the final score there was 11-9 Auburn. UT Martin made Auburn sweat the whole day. They were really only one or two mistakes away from having their biggest win in program history. But now, after barely losing to the number two team at home, the Skyhawks will take a week off and prepare for the number one team at home, TCU. For Auburn, this was a scary win that kind of exposed a few of those recurring problems that we tend to see for them. They always look great at home, but once you get them away from Auburn, they can have a few meets where huge sections of their best riders go without scoring. It's hard to overcome that. They did it on Friday, but they won't be able to continue that as the competition level increases. Now they prepare to host Georgia at home this Friday. The next meet to recap is Oklahoma State at Baylor. Baylor has not looked great in their first two meets, and with conference rival Oklahoma State coming to town, there was a real possibility they could get blown out at home again. I predicted this one would be 11-8 OSU. Let's see how it went. Baylor won fences 3-1. Finally, here we go. Their fences team rides up to their potential. Good job, Bears. Baylor also won flat 3-2. Again, this is what the stat said should be happening, so it's nice to see it show up here. Horsemanship went 3-1 to Oklahoma State. This is understandable. The Cowgirls are favored in most of the matchups here, and they followed through on that. Then, in reigning, Oklahoma State won 4-1, making the final score 10-8. 
So everything was very close. Basically, Baylor had a pair of Rainers go off pattern, and that really ended their chances, which is kind of a shame for them. But at least the team uh, seems to finally be turning in a lot of the rides that they're capable of getting. Now, they host Fresno State here in a couple of weeks, so they'll be looking for their first win then. For Oklahoma State, they got their first win. It was challenging, but road wins tend to be that way. Uh, After this, they would drive over to Dallas to face SMU the following day. So, with that, let's go on into Saturday's action. Oklahoma State at SMU. Now, I thought this one was going to be about 13-7 Mustangs, so let's see how it really went. Oklahoma State won fences 3-2, which is a bit surprising, but good job, cowgirls. SMU answered that by winning the flat 4-1. Horsemanship was a 2-2 tie. Then, in reigning, that one went 2-1 for SMU. Add all that up, and the final score was a 10-7 victory for SMU. So the Mustangs got their first win of the season, and Oklahoma State can still feel good about the weekend. They went on the road, they went 1-1 in a pair of close meets, and that's not that bad. Now, each week, the NCEA likes to throw out these little hidden, unannounced meets at us. Uh, They're not on the league calendar. This week, that meet was South Carolina at Georgia. I made no prediction about this because I didn't know it was happening. If I had, I would have probably picked Georgia to win about 13 to 7, maybe 13 to 6. Let's see what really happened. Georgia kind of jumped all over South Carolina. Georgia won fences 4 to 1, flat 4 to 1, horsemanship 4 to nothing, and reigning 3 to 2 for a grand total of 15 to 4. That's a little bit more than I expected, but sometimes that happens. Now for South Carolina, their undefeated season comes to an end. They dropped to third in the SEC race, but still, this was a tough road meet, and I think the Gamecocks are going to be fine. I'll go into more detail about all that later when I get to the rankings part. Uh, For Georgia, this was a nice rebound after losing so badly to uh, Texas A&M last week. The Bulldogs are now 1-1 in the SEC, and a visit to Auburn is coming up this Friday. We also had some single discipline action as well. We had Lynchburg at Dartmouth. I predicted this would be 8-2 Hornets. Uh, but they only rode four on four, so let's see what happened. Lynchburg won fences three to one and flat three to one for a final score of six to two. That was about what we expected. I have Dartmouth at number five and Lynchburg at number two, and this is what you'd expect the number two team to do to the number five team, even on the road. So there you go. Now there was also a scheduled Sewanee at Bridgewater College meet on the NCEA calendar, but evidently that was just a trick to drive up Bridgewater's Instagram traffic in the central Alabama region. It worked. You got me on that, NCEA. So that was all of the equestrian action this week. So now let's check in on the the Golden Golden Score Sheet Sheet Awards. The Golden Score Sheet Awards is a competition where each week I review all of the official score sheets and award deductions and bonus points based on the number of errors I find. Every team begins the season with 100 points, and at the end of the season, the team or teams with the highest point totals will win an actual award from me commemorating their achievement in outstanding records keeping. I have not yet seen Georgia or Dartmouth's official score sheets from this weekend. I saw an unofficial Dartmouth score sheet. And they did not mark the MOPs on that, so I hope they take care of that before it gets turned into the NCEA, or that would be a pair of two-point deductions. I'll keep you posted on that. Oh, one other thing here. Now, I have noticed that uh, this is this is nothing's wrong. It's just something funny. I have noticed that when Lynchburg submits their writer names, they list them last name, comma, first name. Nobody else does that. It's fine. I'm not going to deduct any points for it because, again, I said minor spelling errors with writers' names. As long as we can tell who the writer is, it's no big deal. Just don't go mixing up, like, 
Texas A&M's uh, Devon Thomas with Devan Thomas, and uh, you'll you'll be fine. So with Lynchburg, they list their names that way, and sometimes you're going to get a score sheet like what we had at Dartmouth, where Dartmouth lists their writers, first name, last name, on that same sheet. And so then it just looks weird with Lynchburg's names being last name first. So a little weird, but like I said, no deductions for that. So on we go to the uh, Golden Score Sheet standings. Now, up until now, I have only been mentioning the dual discipline teams, but from here on out, I'm also going to be including the single discipline teams because, like I said, you know, if they have any mistakes, you better believe I'm going to hold that against them. So all tied up for first place with a perfect 100 points are Auburn, Berry College, Bridgewater, College of Charleston, Dartmouth, Delaware State, Fresno State, Georgia, Lynchburg, Minnesota, Crookston, Oklahoma State, Sacred Heart, Swanee, SMU, South Dakota State, Sweetbriar, TCU, Texas A&M, UC Davis, and UT Martin. In 21st place is Baylor with 98 points, and in 22nd place with 96 points is South Carolina. Now, one last thing here. If a team ends up not having any home meets, then they're going to get removed from the competition. So, for example, I'm not sure College of Charleston is going to have any home meets this season. They're pretty new. Um, If that remains so, then uh, they're just going to get removed from the standings. So teams like that that just don't have any home meets because of whatever reasons, uh, you won't be in the Golden Score Sheet uh, competition. Okay, now let's talk about week four of the official Auburn Elvis College Equestrian Rankings. At number one, we have the undefeated TCU Horned Frogs. (laughs) TCU is the poster child of the group of teams that can get wins on the road. They got challenged at Oklahoma State, but they got the win and are clearly the number one team in the nation right now. The number two team is the Auburn Tigers. Auburn is also undefeated, but they had a bit of a scare at UT Martin. Their record and stats are still second in the nation right now, but the margin between them and the number three team shrank a little bit this week. Auburn is also in that group of teams that can get those wins on the road. Next is the number three team, the Texas A&M Aggies. Texas A&M is also undefeated with a pair of big home wins. We're not sure if A&M is a team that can get wins on the road because they haven't gone on the road yet, but they are about to, and that will tell us for sure. Okay, the number four team is the SMU Mustangs. (laughs) SMU got their first win this week, and as a result, they have a 1-1 record right now. They haven't proven they can win on the road yet, so they're still in that group of teams that can get those wins at homes, but we just don't know if they can get them on the road. The number five team is the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia has a 2-1 record, winning at home but losing on the road. They are also in that wins-at-home group. The number six team in the nation is the Oklahoma State Cowgirls. Oklahoma State is 1-2. They opened with that home loss to TCU. They rebounded with a win at Baylor. Then they lost uh, at SMU. So while they don't technically have a home win yet, they land in this group pretty much on the strength of that Baylor road win. They've got a pair of home meets coming up, so we'll see how they do then. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. 
because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Now, the number seven team is the South Carolina Gamecocks. And this is something I forgot to mention last week, but I'm going to take some time here and talk about South Carolina and their schedule a little bit. South Carolina has put together the best schedule this year. Now, let me explain what I mean. The past two years, South Carolina has struggled a bit. They missed out on the playoffs two years ago. They barely got in last year. So for them, right now, they really just want to ensure they can make it to Ocala. And if they can do well in their conference and some of these away meets, then that's kind of gravy for them. And I tell you, I think South Carolina has just about locked up a trip to Ocala basically last week. Now, here's what I'm talking about. Think about the situation. Only the top eight teams are going to make it to Ocala, so we pretty much know that Auburn, Texas A&M, and Georgia are going to go to Ocala from the SEC. So that's three of the eight right there. Um, Over in the Big 12, we know that TCU and Oklahoma State are going to go to Ocala. So that's now five of the eight spots that are taken up. Plus, SMU is definitely going to go to Ocala as well. So now we got six of the eight spots that are spoken for. So South Carolina and all the other dual discipline teams are really vying for those last two spots. And here are the main challengers that could knock South Carolina out of one of those spots. Baylor, Fresno State, Delaware State, South Dakota State, UT Martin, and UC Davis. Now, of those six teams that South Carolina is going up against, South Carolina has already beaten four of them by week three. And the two that they haven't beaten, Baylor and Delaware State, South Carolina is not going to ride against them this season. And even better for South Carolina, those two teams, Baylor and Delaware State, are going to face each other in about a month. So one of them has to lose that. Now again, remember, South Carolina doesn't even have to beat out both of those teams. They just have to beat out one of them because one of the others could get that other spot and that would be fine with South Carolina. It wouldn't prevent them from going to Ocala. And that is amazing to think about that here we are in week four and really South Carolina is on a path where they're almost guaranteed already to go to Ocala. And if you'll remember two years ago, South Carolina had the absolute worst schedule in the world. They started off like 0-9. They had three straight road meets to begin the season. They only had one home meet in the fall. It was just terrible scheduling and set them up to fail and they, they obliged. But this year, it is the perfect schedule for them. And I'm telling you, South Carolina is pretty much guaranteed to make it to Ocala already this early in the season. Okay, so uh, the Gamecocks are 4-1 with wins over some smaller schools. They have a road loss to Georgia. Um, But overall, this is a pretty good start for them. Next, the number eight team is the Delaware State Hornets. Hornets are 1-0, having beaten Minnesota Crookston at home. We haven't seen a whole lot from Delaware State. Their scheduling isn't um, jam-packed here in the fall, so not really sure what they're going to get. But the stats like them right now, so that's kind of where they are at number 8. So now let's look at this as the last team of the can-get-a-win-at-home group, and the number 9 team in the nation are the UT Martin Skyhawks. UT Martin is 1-3 with a home win over South Dakota State this weekend. The Skyhawks also put the fear of God into Auburn this weekend and improved their stats enough to jump from unranked to number 9 this week. So good job, Skyhawks. And then the number 10 team in the nation are the Baylor Bears. (laughs) 
Baylor is technically still in the can't win at home or away group. Uh, but even with their 0-3 record, they have the talent that will probably keep them at number 10 above South Dakota State right now. South Dakota State does have a home win at over Fresno State, but Baylor is right about to host uh, Fresno State too, so they may be joining the, the Jackrabbits in that category. So those are the top 10 dual-discipline teams in the nation. Let's take a look at our single-discipline rankings. On the single discipline side, there haven't been a lot of meets to change the stats very much, so the rankings are pretty much the same, but we're going to go through them just to catch up any new listeners. Uh, the number one team in the nation is the Sweetbriar Vixens. Sweetbriar is 1-0 with a big win over Bridgewater so far. They return a lot of talent from last year, and they have the highest scoring average, about a point higher than the number two team. And that number two team is the Lynchburg Hornets. Lynchburg is 1-1, one one, having lost to South Carolina, which you would kind of expect, but they beat in Dartmouth, and that was on the road. And this week, I went back, and I kind of temporarily removed those uh, South Carolina stats just to see what that would do to Lynchburg stats, and it did improve their numbers by about a quarter of a point on average overall, uh, but they're still a little bit more than a, a point and a half behind Sweetbriar in the stats, so I'm comfortable with them being number two. So the number three team is the Barry College Vikings. Barry has not ridden yet, but they have a decent amount of points production coming back this year. So even though they have not ridden, they occupy the third place in the rankings. The number four team in the nation is the Sacred Heart Pioneers. Sacred Heart has also not ridden, but like Barry, they bring back enough scoring talent from last year that they're the number four team. The number five team in the nation is the Dartmouth Green. <laughs> Dartmouth has an 0-1 record having just lost at home to Lynchburg. The Green scoring averages are just a little bit higher than some other teams, so it's number five for them. The number six team in the nation is the Bridgewater Eagles. Bridgewater also has an 0-1 record, losing on the road to Sweetbriar last week. And like I said, their stats are a little below Dartmouth, so they'll sit at number 6 right now. The number 7 team in the nation is the Swanee Tigers. Swanee has had almost a 100% turnover on their roster this season, so they are practically a new team so far as the stats are concerned. But since we do have a tiny bit of info about them, we're going to put them at number seven. And at number eight, and the final team in the rankings, is the College of Charleston Cougars. <laughs> College of Charleston is a brand new team in the NCEA, but they have a giant roster that rivals the size of a dual discipline team. So there's probably at least a few of them that can score. But until they do, they're going to sit here in eighth place. And that's the rankings. So now, let's look into the future and discuss some, some meat, meat previews. First up on Friday is TCU at Fresno State. The Frogs will be the favorites in this one. I think Fences goes 3-2 to two for TCU. Flat will be 2-all. Horsemanship will probably go 4-1 to one for TCU. And Raining will go 3-2 to two for TCU. Add all that up, and I think TCU wins 12-7. to seven. After that... Georgia will visit the loveliest village of the Plains for an SEC showdown against Auburn. Uh, I'm going to say Auburn probably wins fences 4-1, to 
Georgia will win flat three to two. Horsemanship will probably go two to two. And reigning will probably go three to two for Auburn. Add all that up, I think Auburn wins 11 to eight. Now over we go to Saturday. First meet of the day looks to be Texas A&M at Oklahoma State. Can the Aggies get a win on the road? Let's see. I think fences will go 3-2 for Oklahoma State. I think flat will go 3-2 for A&M. Horsemanship will be a 2-2 tie, and Oklahoma State, I think, will take reigning 3-2. Add all that up, and I think it's going to be 10-9 in favor of Oklahoma State. We also have some single discipline action with Sweetbriar at Dartmouth College. Assuming this is 4-on-4, I think fences goes 4-0 for Sweetbriar, and flat goes 3-0 for Sweetbriar. So I think that's going to be a 7-0 win for the Vixens. Then we have one more meet on Sunday, Sweetbriar at Sacred Heart. This could be another of those 4-on-4 meets, so we're going to say Fences goes 3-1 for Sweetbriar, and flat goes 4-0 for Sweetbriar. That would be a 71 win for Sweetbriar. And that's all of our upcoming action this week. So usually I like to end the show uh, getting up on a soapbox issue. So let me just this time, I'm going to relate a story from that happened this week. In one of the meets that I did this weekend, um, after the matchups posted, I, you know, I do my thing where I show who's favored based on the statistics and all that. So after I put that out a little while later, uh, I got a comment from one of the riders saying, hey, basically I won my point and my friend uh, won hers. And as you can guess, I had not picked them to win the, the, those points. So I replied something like, well, actually, these are more of statistical favorites than predictions. Your friend beat a rider who wins 20% more than her on average, and you beat a rider that wins twice as much as you do. So what you both did today was pretty remarkable, and you should be proud of that. Good job. So then she deleted her original comment, which is kind of a shame because now I'm wondering, did you originally think that maybe I was putting them down? And then when my response was obviously not a put down, maybe then she felt guilty and she deleted her comment. So now I'm hoping she has not gone away feeling badly about this whole thing. I'll just say that that sort of thing can happen from time to time. And this weekend, it made me realize that some of the confusion is probably my fault because I I noticed that the graphics that I use when I post those, it literally says predictions on the graphic. I'm using a graphic I made about two seasons ago. And at the time, I think I did promote those as predictions. Whereas over the last two seasons, I've kind of realized they're only really predictions if you assume that everyone is going to perform exactly as they always have on average which is not going to happen. Uh, So I think I need to change the title of those graphics to something like favorites, because I think that's a better way to think about them than predictions. So I'll probably do that before this Friday. All right, well, that is all for this episode of War Horses. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.